This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome to Mass Live's Ion Foxborough podcast. I'm Patriots columnist Karen Garigian. And today, I am pleased to welcome former Patriot and current Sirius XM NFL Moving the Chains host, Jim Miller. Hi, Jim. Hi, Karen. Good to talk to you again. It's always good to talk to you. As you know, since you were here one time in Foxborough, uh, it's Tom Brady's backup. There's like never a dull moment. And right now, I don't know if you'd call it a quarterback controversy. But we don't know what to call it because Bill Belichick still won't name who his starter is going forward. What do you make of all this, Jim? Well, I, I think, you know, they're letting Mac Jones know that he needs to perform better. You know, obviously, when you get pulled at certain points in games and even this last game after a bad interception, now, whether Mac Jones is is ailing at all or if he's hurt in, in any way, that'll be a factor in it. But I personally just think, you know, it's the coach letting the player know we need more production offensively. And obviously the the quarterback is a big part of it. Uh, they touch the ball. They're in, on every play. They're involved on a lot of decision-making, like throwing red zone interceptions when guys are open in the back of the end zone uh, that can cause a, a coach to want to make a change. I personally think they're still going to roll with, with Mac Jones is my take on this. I think uh, everybody knows why he was drafted where he was. Uh, he's just not playing very well. And I don't think the the guys that are around him are, are playing very well. They're not running the football as well as what they should. I think the offensive line has been unsettled. I believe they're, the leading receiver, Kendrick Bourne, is, is hurt. He's not even out there. Uh, right. So they have a lot of issues that they're up against, but they can't have their quarterback compounding those issues when you've got some other fires that you already got to put out. Mike, part of his, the reason, I mean, a lot of quarterbacks, I mean, Mac's been now been benched three times. Uh, the worst of it was in Germany, as you mentioned, you know, he threw a pick uh, on a play that looked like it was going to be a touchdown and they pulled him with like two minutes to go and gave the ball to Bailey Zappi to try to win the game. <laughs> Do you think the fact it's almost like there's a competition now or, or Belichick is trying to see if someone else can step up because the lot between Bailey Zappi and Will Greer and Malik Cunningham perhaps hasn't shown all that well in practice. And Mac continues to be the, you know, the best of the bunch. Does that seem fair? I, I agree. And maybe you can answer this for me, Karen. I don't think Bill Belichick has ever had a quarterback room as young as what it is right now. I think he's always had a, a veteran guy in the backup mode. Even when Drew Bledsoe was there, fine, Brady takes over. Bledsoe's the backup. And then you got Scott Zolak. And, you know, uh, you could just go through the list. It's always been veteran guys that, that have been there. All these guys are as green as grass. You know, Malik Cunningham, very talented player, but, uh, you know, he's a very raw player. Will Greer hasn't played a lot. Bailey Zappi's still a very young player. He hasn't even played as much as, as Mac Jones. So this is a very young group that they're they're trying to bring along, and I think there's just a, 
a lot of growing pains that that you're going to go through because these guys haven't experienced a, a lot. Max experienced the most because he started uh, the most, but he's still a very young player in terms of his playing career. Yeah, good point about not having. I mean, Brian Horrier has been yeah. the the sounding board, but you know he was no longer with them. Um, and there is no veteran, as you said, right. for any of these guys to kind of learn from, lean on, or or what have you. Yeah. In well, to give the give the Germany example. Yeah. You know, so Bill Belichick had seen enough. Mac Jones throws that key red zone interception. We don't know what other mistakes were made prior to that, where he just said, All right, I've seen enough. Bailey, you're you're in there. And then of course Bailey quickly throws uh, an interception because Bailey's young. I mean, uh, uh, maybe in a, if it was a veteran guy, you know, that, uh, you know, really kind of has been there, done that, you wouldn't still have, you're dealing with young mistakes by young players. Now, I'm not saying just that one interception wasn't the greatest play call either. You're faking, spiking, and throwing down the middle of the field, yeah. you know, as kind of a, a shot for any quarterback, if that's called. But, you know, you're still going to have your share of mistakes with Bailey just because he hasn't done it. You were a young developing quarterback at, at one time. Has Mac had the best path to develop? I mean, he had Josh McDaniels his first year, had a terrific rookie year. Uh, I, I know you were impressed by him because we talked about it that first yeah. year. Josh leaves, Coach Belichick decides Matt Patricia, who, who's primarily been a defensive guy is going to call the, uh, the plays for offense. Mac went downhill. Um, he brings Bill O'Brien back. So that's three coordinators in three years. How do you, do you think that's kind of hampered his development and growth? Yeah. I don't think that's ever good when you're, you know, you're constantly switching coaches and the continuity and how the offense grows. You want it to, really be a, like a foundation the first year. And then you just got these building blocks where you can, you know, add to the foundation you've already laid. And that really hasn't been the, the case uh, for Mac Jones. He's got, had three different voices in his ear, uh, had a lot of success with Josh McDaniels. Plus I think they had a better team around him there. And that's why he was a pro bowl player. Um, then you obviously have a, uh, a step back with with Matt Patricia and what was the the focus there when you'd think they'd want to be building, as I mentioned, they're kind of regressing. And now it's to the point where it's at right now. I do think Bill O'Brien was going to bring, you know, that play calling experience because he's done it before and he's had a lot of success. But I think the the issues are not just Mac Jones. As I mentioned, I, I don't think the offensive line has been settled since training camp. You know, no. I think Trent Brown's been out. They've put some rookies in there, City Sal from Eastern Michigan. They've had a lot of different combinations there. And then I think, you know, who truly is a star wide receiver? You know, you know, we always say you got to have some guys, each team, if you're going to be a, a legitimate team, you got to have probably nine guys that defy the X's and O's that are blue chip players. And I think they've got a lot of good players, but I, I offensively, I don't know if they have a lot of blue chip players. Well, as we know, Coach Belichick is also the chief decision maker of the outfit in terms of personnel. Have they kind of, or has he missed the boat a little bit about the importance of getting those type of players around the quarterback? Or was he kind of spoiled all those years by having Tom Brady and not necessarily needing 
you know, a half dozen blue chip players to throw out there to compliment him. Yeah. Well, you know, whether, whether Mac Jones can reach the level of being a blue chip player, that that's up to him. But I think we will agree. Tom Brady's a blue chip player at the most important position. Um, and he can raise the level of play of, of those around him. But I, I, I think even when I was there, they had some really good players, you know, Dion branch, that was a blue chip player. He was a super bowl MVP, you know, had Danny Graham, who not necessarily a blue chip, but he's a really good player, had a really solid offensive line with Andrewsy and Hogstein. And maybe this young group of offensive linemen will develop into that. I think Michael Onway uh, knew is probably the the best blue chip player they have on their offensive line, uh, but none of that has been settled, um, you know. And then obviously the, you know, you paid the same amount of money to, to uh, Juju Smith Schuster, and probably the most productive receiver last year is now a Las Vegas Raider who's probably got better numbers. So you do question that one, but you know Devonte Parker to me has always been just a jump ball guy. I don't think he's risen to the level of what they want him to. I just, I remember that Raider game this year. I think he dropped a key go route that could have been a, a difference making play in that loss to, to the Raiders. So the guys that they have there, I think are good, but you know, they, they haven't been making the plays that they, they need to make or that they should be making. And a lot of that falls back to, you know, everything's unsettled and they're not X's and O's type of guy or defy the X's and O's guy. They're average guys that need to do everything right and can't make those mistakes. Hmm. Well, with the Patriots sitting where they are uh, in last place in the AFC East at two and eight, uh, there's been some speculation about Coach Belichick and his job security and perhaps there being a, a mutual parting at the end of the season. I mean, what do you make of that? I mean, already there's speculation. He, it, there's a deal done someplace else and, and on and on and on. He's going here. He's going there. What do you make of all that? I, I don't buy too much into it. I think it was Ben Volen wrote an article that he was going to get fired after the game in Germany. Are yeah. you kidding me? I mean, Bill Belichick didn't forget how to coach. He's going to use the same formula now. Yeah, he's got to tweak some some things for the areas of the team that aren't performing well, but it, it's not like he's not working at it. I, I don't think his approach today is any different than the days that, that he was coaching to win uh, Super Bowls. You know, you, you got to work at it. Every week is different. You're trying to find the, the best way to beat your opponent, and it's a lot of work, and you need uh, to communicate that to your players so that they understand what the game plan is to to come out with a victory. And of course the players got to perform, you know, and they're, they're not performing very well on the offensive side of the ball. I think defensively they perform admirably, you know, even with the loss of Matt Judon, I don't think Bentley's been in there. Bentley's probably the uh, best tackler on the team. Um, Juwan Bentley. And, you know, so I think they've been serviceable on defense, not dominant at one point they were a, a top 10 defense. I think they've fallen just out of that, but offensively, they're just not doing well. They're not scoring points at the rate they, they need to score points. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And that's why Bill's working to find the answers. I don't see him getting fired before mm. the end of the season. I don't see, see him getting fired at the end of the year. Mm. Now, maybe the scenario, like you said, of a, of a trade with another team, is that a possibility? I can't rule it out because Robert Kraft traded. He's traded for coaches before, right? Didn't he trade for Parcells? 
Yeah, so, he traded he traded for Belichick actually. Yeah, Belichick. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. first round he's been involved. Yeah. yeah, he's been involved in it before, so he's already got his contract in place. From what I understand, he signed the extension. So you know that you know I don't think you can rule that out. But they've yeah. had a lot of success, you know, with with him, and he's going to work himself out of this. Yeah, t- Tom Brady was on a on a show of some sort saying that he just he couldn't envision. Uh, New England without Bill Belichick as a head coach is that it's just kind of odd to even yeah. think about it or having him somewhere else I guess yeah well that's that's why I don't think why would Robert Kraft sign him to an extension you know that's basically a really a vote of confidence that I believe in you your your history does mean something here you've mm-hmm. accomplished quite a bit um and and all the successes, yeah, Tom Brady w- was there, and Tom was a big part of it too, but it takes two. It takes both the coach and the player. I always People always ask me, well, what comes first, the, uh, the chicken or the egg? I always think the coach comes first because mm-hmm. the coach lays the, like I said, the foundation, the blueprint, the plan of what it takes to, to win, and the player's got to go out and execute it. And certainly you need great players, and Tom Brady was a great player, but I remember playing against Belichick when I was in Pittsburgh. He was in Cleveland, and we played them the first round of the playoffs. He had gotten that team to the playoffs when everybody thought he was terrible. But they were a pretty darn good team, and we dreaded playing the Cleveland Browns because they were. we knew that they were a well-coached team. Mm. Obviously, you know Belichick, having been coached by him. Mm. He's a regular on your Moving the Chains show with, with Pat mm. Kerwin. How would you – how would you describe him? Is he like two different people? One, the coach and one, the, you know, when he's not a coach, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think he's, I think he's a very, um, well, first off, yeah. When he, he's very serious about coaching, I think he loves every aspect about coaching, you know, from the history of, of the game uh, to the off season, when it comes to the business season, acquiring players, scouting players, drafting players. I think he's very involved. He does personal workouts. Uh, but I think the the side that a lot of people don't see about him, he's very worldly. He's very knowledgeable. He's very intelligent. He's very funny. He's yeah. very witty. Like uh, I was always surprised because you get this perception from the outside and then you come to the Patriots and we used to have a quarterback meeting every Saturday morning when we'd go in his office. So it was me, Rohan, Davey, and Tom would go in his office and we'd just sit on a, a leather couch. And, you know, the first couple meetings we did because it's the start of the season – you're talking about the opponent. Hey, these are the focus points, all that. But by the the third week of the season, when every, when everything was going, you know, he just he we'd all come in there, and all of a sudden we're talking about other talk topics like the the stock market or <laughs> what's going on in the world. And Tom was selling his townhouse in Quincy, and hey, what what I you know what should I do here? And I was involved. In, I'm a developer, so I'm involved in building so i'm giving him advice and we would talk about all kinds of subjects funny stuff you know and and that's where i think belichick he he does connect with players mm-hmm. i mean when you when you look around the league and you see guys like pete carroll who's 70 bill belichick who's who's up there and you know andy reed these coaches still have the ability to connect with their players and win and i believe it was even bill belichick's mentor when you look at bill parcells and the great staffs that they had in for the New York Giants, Bill Belichick believed the coach's shelf life is only 10 years. And I disagree with that because obviously Andy Reid's defied it. 
Pete Carroll has defied it. I think Bill Belichick has defied it. You can probably throw Mike Tomlin in there. He's defied it uh, where they, you know, they just have the ability to connect with players, truly love uh, the game, love to compete. And I don't think that that's not going away anytime soon for Bill Belichick. Hmm. I'm going to segue a bit. Um, I know you do the pre and post game uh, for the marquee sports for the Chicago bears. And obviously the Patriots are, uh, right now, they would have the third pick in the draft if the season were to end. The Bears have Carolina's pick, so they're sitting in the driver's seat right now. Do you think they would, if they wind up with the number one pick, do you think that they would draft one of the marquee quarterbacks, or are they happy with Justin Fields? I, I think Justin has to do a little bit more. I thought he played probably – his best game this past weekend against uh, Detroit, where it was a full game yet ended in a strip sack fumble, but that was a, he put the team in position to win prior uh, to that, but I don't think he's done enough. It hasn't been complete. I think Justin's got to go on a run here where he played, where he backs up, say this performance with a similar performance, the rest of the way out. Now I'm not saying he's got to win games, all of them, but I'm saying he's got to do what he did versus the lions, put the team in a position win in, in a game and I think if he does that the Bears would feel pretty solid about him but up to this point that hasn't been the case he's been hurt every year Same, similar scenario they've changed coordinators every year it's been kind of a slow roll to to this start where it's been inconsistent enough where if I'm the Bears it'd be hard to place the fifth year uh, uh fifth year option on him and then you'd probably still have to draft another quarterback. You may keep Justin and say, "Hey, bring in the young, uh, the young drafted quarterback who you take," and say, "Let the chips fall where they may. Let them compete it out." Or if the first round pick that they drafted, if they feel that he's the guy, because they've already got Tyson Bajan, who's performed well as a two, I think minimum, I would feel good with Bajan as a number two. So if yeah. you draft a, a quarterback he ultimately is able to beat out Justin Fields, then maybe you feel pretty good about trading Justin Fields by the trade deadline if the first-round pick were to beat him out. So I think that's the scenario, and I think that, I think that's on the table. But I think for Justin, he's kind of playing for his NFL livelihood right now. It mm -hmm. has not been good enough where you feel, yeah, that's our franchise guy, and we can, you know, we're all good here. I don't think that's been decided yet. And that's why he's playing for his livelihood. So not just for the Bears, but for any NFL team that's out there. Of the two top guys, Caleb Williams or, or Drake May, who do you like and who do you think the Bears would like? Well, I think uh, everybody's only talking about those two, but I, I think there are some others. I think when you look at Bo Nix, he's played a lot of football. You know, and I think Michael Penix has the injury history for Washington, but they are undefeated. And he just dropped a dime to win their last contest. Uh, but he is a very talented thrower of the football, and he's got 11 inch hands. So I don't think it's been decided yet. I do like Drake May. Uh, there's been some re recent stuff with Caleb Williams where you probably got to do a little bit more investigating. Mm -hmm. But I also think this I think. With what Tyson Bajan and Brock Purdy have done, you know, here you got a Division II guy who won, you know, Justin Fields is out. The Bears win two out of the four games with him. And that's what you want your backup to do. If your starter's out for four games, can you go 500? 
Bajan's done that. Now you look what a late-round pick Brock Purdy ha- has done. I, I think this position needs to be looked at better. It needs to be scouted better because how do those guys get past? Or Tom Brady, a six-rounder, get past? So I think teams are, are thinking out of the box a, a little bit more than they ever have. And the reason why I say that is when I was watching the Bears game versus Carolina, And here you've got the first overall selection in Bryce Young versus watching Tyson Bajan. You're looking at apples to apples. There really wasn't a difference. There wasn't a difference between either guy. And actually, you know, Tyson Bajan performed better. And so I just think a lot of scouting staffs need to really think about that position differently when they let some guys go. Uh, here's the similarities I would say with Bajan and I'd say with Purdy. Both of them played a boatload of football in college, over 40 starts. Over, you know, you look at Bajan, he's got the NCAA record for 159 touchdown passes, but yet everybody goes, oh, but he's Division two. That kid could have traded up. He could have he could have gotten a portal and, and transferred up if he wanted to, but he didn't. He said, hey, I'm going to see this out. And I think there's something to be said for that. So. I just think more due diligence need to be, you know, discovered on these quarterbacks rather than just their stats and they're a power five player and all that mm-hmm. type of stuff uh, in order to really make that selection. Yeah, I agree. And and just from what you're saying, you know, that would elevate Bo Nix just for that. Yeah. You know, He's played that. a boatload of football, man. A boatload. Yeah. Um, For the Patriots, obviously they have Mac and he, he's, I was going to say, and he's, he's in a similar boat to Justin in terms of still having to prove, you know, before, you know, the fifth year option. If you're the Patriots, obviously they have quite a few needs. And we were just talking about that, the lack of game changers in the offense. Might you, if you're the Patriots and you have a top three, top five pick, go for the receiver, you know, Marvin Harrison there. Or would you solidify the offensive line with a tackle? And again, if you were thinking about a quarterback, maybe do that in the second round. Yeah. No, I, I don't think, because if you look at quarterbacks, where they've taken their jump is, is they've added around the quarterback, i.e. when Buffalo traded for Stephon Diggs, that's his game took a jump. Mm-hmm. Or when uh, Philadelphia you know, traded for A.J. Brown, that quarterback, Jalen Hurts, took a big jump. And maybe that's what it takes for, for Mac Jones. And I would think Harrison Jr., yeah, he's he's drafted, but he's about as surefire as as you could as you can think of. You know, he is a very polished receiver coming out of Ohio State and probably better than any of the Ohio State Buckeyes that are currently playing today. I mean, mm. you think about Jackson Smith and Jigba, who just was drafted by the the Seattle Seahawks. I guess in that pro day workout, it wasn't even close. Who was the most talented player on the field? Mm. Harrison Jr. is is that talented, and he can be a difference-making player. Mm. Um, Lastly, I'll I'll wrap it up. You know, what what have you seen from the NFL this year? From the, you know, are there any trends? Is there anything surprising to you? Surprising teams? You know, what what's what's your takeaway? Eleven weeks in. Yeah, I think for me, it's the amount of quarterbacks that have gone down and mm-hmm. have gotten hurt. And here we're playing these guys a lot earlier. I, I think we know that. 
I think there is a depletion of offensive linemen. Uh, There's not enough good ones to go around. That's been a problem to to contribute to that. This should be a good class of old linemen that that are going to come out this year. According to Jim Nagy, the spot is as deep as it's ever been. But I, I just think when you look at the infiltration of college football to the pros now, how we're spreading everything out, all these empty sets and, and all that. And you can just see it for me as a former quarterback. Like I'll give you an example. The, the Detroit or the Chicago bears uh, played the Minnesota Vikings a couple of weeks ago. First play of the game bears are in an empty set. So as a quarterback, you know, you only have five blockers. This is so the, the game plan scripted, right? You've got mm-hmm. these scripted plays, you know, you're running empty on play one. And Justin Fields misses a blitz. They bring a six guy and he gets sacked first play of the game. And now for your first and 10, now you're second and 17. I, I just don't get that. How how do you miss that? You know, so quarterbacks aren't knowing what they're doing because you've got all these spread sets, understanding their protections. Offensive linemen aren't performing as good as what they should to protect these young quarterbacks. Or you got to, as an offensive play caller, you got to shrink the field. Bring everybody in, play some old school football where it's just run play action, where maybe the quarterback's not responsible for for those type of things. Because I've seen a lot of short shoddy quarterback play this year, and it's you know from Bryce Young and his struggles to Justin Fields, who's trying to uh, to learn his way, and then other quarterbacks obviously have, have been fantastic. But it's been a lot of sloppy quarterback play in my mind. And that's even for some of the veterans. You know, obviously there's a there's a uh, OC that just got fired in Buffalo. And I think we understand Josh Allen is an extremely talented guy, but his play has been sloppy. And it was sloppy even in training camp when Pat and I went there. They had a blitz period. I was like, dude, they were missing hots. Guys not knowing they're blocking assignments. And so, and part of it is because they don't practice. Mm. You know, you know, you know I, I I really believe that, that, you know, we've we've really watered this down so much like on a Thursday game where you're just doing walkthroughs and guys just aren't ready. You know, they're just not ready because of the lack of practice, which means you have to hone in on the game plan more focus on your assignments. And, and I don't think that's getting done uh, as effectively as what it once was. Yeah. uh, Last week um, we had Matt light on and he was talking about the very same thing, the change, you know, from the CBA, not having as many padded practices, And how it's really impacted the overall product, you know, starting with the well, offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. For for me as a former player, I, I'm like disgusted by it because it's it's watered it down so much when you see guys missing tackles or like he said, missing blocks because they haven't practiced or they're not in pads enough, having the right technique of their hands and hand placement and all that. Maybe the layman fan who's watching it doesn't see how much has been watered down. But for, to me, it disgusts me. I mean, it's, to me, it's a lot of bad football and it's just due to, you know, lack of practice, you know, think about even when training camp, when we had two a days, two a days, think about a young quarterback like me, when I get drafted by, by the Steelers, I actually was given reps because we're at, they had two legitimate practices, three hour practices, you know, so six hours a day where they'd rotate in guys. And those were those reps were invaluable. And we played two extra. Uh, we had two scrimmages. I played the. I started the whole both scrimmages, so I got all those reps as a quarterback because they didn't want the veterans to get hurt. So that was my time, and I got all those reps. 
Now these guys don't get anything. If you're a backup, you don't get any reps at all with the first team. And you're just expected to go and expected to play and play well. And now I think you're seeing the, the really the residual results of that. It's not going so well when those guys do got to play. Getting back to the original premise or coach Belichick basically saying this week that everybody has to be ready to go, you know, to get out there and go if you're the quarterback. So yeah, hey, <laughs> when you're you have four guys, yeah. you have four guys that are fighting for the job, I guess, in the competition. Yeah. Hey, and if I'm any one of those four guys, I'm saying the job's mine to take because if my number is called, I better be ready to go. He's putting the pressure on them. You better know the checks. You better know the protections. You better know where to go with the ball. You better not turn it over. So no matter how many reps you get, you better make the most of it when your number is called. And it's putting it on the player that they need to prepare themselves if their number is called. And if if I'm any one of those four, I'd, I'd be like, oh, game on, man. Let's go because I'm about to go get this. <laughs> great. Well, thanks so much, Jim. It was great. Uh, chatting with you on the podcast. I'm sure I'll see you down the road in some buffet line. <laughs> hey, Thanksgiving's just around the corner. We can always cut in line again, Karen. Yeah. You know, whenever. <laughs> yeah, a b- bad story. I I cut in front of somebody, and and Jim Jim stood up for me. So that that was that was kind of you, Jim. <laughs> Chivalry is not dead, Karen. I know it's uh, we're in 2023, but it's it's not dead. <laughs> Well, hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks so much, Jim. You too. Best to you and yours. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live.